Kei ngā puhi māroke, kei ngā puhi māku o ngā waka o te mutu wawane mai ki te hui. Ko mihi ngā rangi tēnei, e mihi atu nei, kia koutou katoa. Welcome to the hui, Māori Current Affairs for all New Zealanders. E taroa kenei. A whānau in crisis. And a mother at breaking point. My greatest fear at the moment is that someone's going to die. We look at one whānau's struggle to get their autistic son the support he needs. He's our little superhero and he just deserves a good chance at life. Then they were touched by tragedy on the moana. Everyone was around crying and I didn't really realise until I saw their casket. Now the tamariki whānau are sharing their water safety message. If we know how to be on the water then we have that responsibility to share that. For a small but significant group of tamariki and young people in Aotearoa, mainstream health and education services don't go far enough to address their severe and complex behavioural needs. Often these children can present a danger to themselves and others. Soon we'll talk to two experts about the challenges whānau and crisis face, but first one mother wanted to share her story with us to highlight how desperate the situation is for her whānau and how urgent the need is for greater coordination and support. We've chosen not to reveal their names. In a note to viewers, parts of this story are distressing. Anaitirepoata a Rawani Pereira. It's like living in a war zone. I feel like I'm in a domestic violent relationship with an 11-year-old son I can't escape. Her son's violent, explosive outbursts have pushed his mother to breaking point. Why, punch me! Kill me, please! My greatest fear at the moment is that someone's gonna die. That's how serious our situation here at home is. Afano frustrated with how hard it is to access the help they desperately need. He's our little superhero, and he just deserves a good chance at life. That's what I'm fighting for. They could be any family, anywhere in Aotearoa. Who got these, Mum? But for the South Waikato whānau, these moments of normality are rare. So I have three children in the house on the autism spectrum. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's very hard. After we have toast, can we have a cookie? You know what to do. Her struggle is compounded by the fact that one of her sons also has <sighs> complex behavioural difficulties. Diagnosed as autistic since four, he also has attention deficit disorder and global development delay, which means his cognitive skills are of a much younger child. When did the violent behaviour start? Four, five. 
he would be violent towards his, his brother. He would look at his brother and, oh, I haven't hit you today, and he would go and just blatantly smack him in the head. We arrive as the boy is getting ready to go to school, and he appears untroubled by our camera. But his mood can change quickly. This angry outburst began after a minor disagreement with his mum over chocolate. I want chocolate. We can't have chocolate right now. You know, I keep getting asked, what are the triggers? Could be any trigger for him, and he can go zero to 100 quick smart. To now he's 11, and, and we're now dealing with knives. He has been seen to grab a knife and, and attempt to stab his siblings. And at one point, he has been seen to stab himself. There's no question that this boy is crying out for help. But because he's still under 12, he's considered too young to be properly assessed for his mental health. And he's too young for many of the places that deal with children with severe behavioural disorders. So you've had to capture stuff on video in order to get people to sit up and take notice. I'm not being heard. So if I capture it and show the right people, hopefully they'll listen and see. These are videos from a year ago. And what's changed? He's getting more violent and the, the incidences are becoming more dangerous, more volatile. It is scary. It's real. The whanau has received financial assistance and engaged with more than 20 agencies over the years. This mother has also tried parenting courses and various family therapies in search of ways to better manage her son's behaviour. But the whanau say no one agency has joined the dots and come up with an effective plan her boy so urgently needs. One of the challenges for young children and youth with mental health problems is that they're fragmented and spread across a wide range of services. Older children tend to receive the largest share of resource because they're seen as a higher priority. Over and above his autism, this mother is convinced that her son's behavioural problems are related to his mental health. But a lack of coordination among services means it isn't being prioritised. Has anyone actually come here, spent time with you, seen it all unfold? No. They still firmly believe there are no mental health issues. It's all behavioural. They don't like to diagnose them at this young age. 17 is, that's five years away. Can you wait five years? By trying to access those supports, we're finding it really hard. And it's either because of his age or where we live or, it, yeah. Mm.
At last this year, the whānau received 60 days of respite care, which they've used to give themselves a break for a few days at a time. It's a chance for his mother to catch her breath and get some relief, but it's a temporary solution. It's just a band-aid, really. What's the impact like on your marriage? We're hanging on by a third. We're doing the best that we can. The agencies that you're dealing with, do you think they understand the severity of, of the situation? No. And, I, and I've, I've been very clear and honest. This has been going on for years. So do you think his behaviour is getting worse? Absolutely. And it's the rest of the household who are suffering. His behaviour has been assessed as putting others at significant risk, and the whānau have been so desperate that they've made numerous reports of concern to Oranga Tamariki and police since September 2021. Police regularly are called here? Yes. Every time they've, they've come, but because of his age, there's nothing they can do. She's scared that the issues with her son could see her lose all three of her kids. Is that a possibility? I still don't know. This mother says she's left with no choice but to go public, desperate to get help before her worst fears are realised. The lengths I've had to go to just to be heard. We're at media now. Are we going to get the help? Is this going to make a difference? Do you love him? I do. He's a beautiful boy. Don't go too far, please. And this is not just about me, either. There are plenty of family out there living the same nightmare who don't have a voice. Kāroha, nā Rawani Pereira tērā pūrongo. Since filming, uh, the whānau felt the only option left was to sign over care of their son to Oranga Tamariki. On June 30, the child was prioritised to be part of an intensive wraparound service, or IWS, a support for young people aged 5 to 14 who have behavioural, social and or learning needs that are highly complex and challenging. Waikato District Health Board acknowledges the difficulties whānau in navigating a number of agencies when seeking help and says it is working with the agencies to improve this. After the break, uh, we speak to child uh, adolescent psychiatrist Dr Henemore Elder and Dorothy Tari-Smith from Taonga Takiwatanga Charitable Trust. Auraki mai anō. Before the break, we met a whānau in crisis as they struggled to manage their son, who has multiple behavioural challenges. To discuss the challenges whānau like this face, I'm joined by Dorothy Tāre-Smith from Taonga Takiwātanga Charitable Trust, who support whānau with autistic tamariki, and child and adolescent psychiatrist Dr Henemore Elder. Tēnā kōrua. Just wondering if you could give us an update on the whānau. OK. So... There's been a huge update with this whānau, uh, not so good. So Thursday, um, 
I facilitated a hui um, with the agencies and with Oranga Tamariki. Um, at the time, our young man was um, in temporary care of Oranga Tamariki. Um, on th at Thursday's meeting, Fano and the agencies who were present pleaded for Oranga Tamariki that um, it wasn't safe for him to go home at the moment um, until a transition plan and a crisis plan was put in place. Um, how everything turned out, um, Oranga Tamariki would drop him home last Friday at 11 o'clock. As a result of that, Mum got scared, picked up her whānau and left um, because Mum can see the risk. Can I just jump in there? So since the story's been to air, this the mighty has gone into the care of Oranga Tamariki because there's, because there's no other option for the whānau? Yeah, so there's no other option for the whānau. Um, there's the no support, nothing came through that they were asking for? Uh, there, there was a couple of options put on the table. Um, one was to um, have full-time carers in the home 24-7. Papa didn't agree to that. He didn't want strangers in his home. Um, the other alternative was there was no other alternative because um, what had happened... So they needed a break, right? You yeah. know, they needed a break in the circuit. So yeah. Oranga Tamariki has taken this child. And, you know, what, what are their, what's their vision? Are they going to... Is he, they want him home with some support? Whānau want their son home desperately, but they can't have him home at the moment. Um, when I organised the hui with the agencies on Wednesday afternoon, um, I asked if they would be able to share uh, a copy of a transition plan. So we need to remember that children on the autism spectrum, they need to be transitioned from one place to another. Absolutely. And that's a delicate operation, I guess, um, and it's a lengthy operation to make sure that the plan is in place, put in place by specialists who, who know and understand autism. Kapaika, I'm going to come to you, Dr. Hinemoa, um, because, you know, when, when we're talking about tamariki and oranga tamariki, full stop, they need lots of support and um, you know, careful management, but when we're dealing with tamariki such as this tamaiti, what kind of support does he, he need in his whanau? Kia ora. O tuatahi, e mihi kauatu ana hau ki a rātou ko te whanau e, e noho oi rotu i nei whiako piarenuku. This is a this is a very um, an incredibly stressful situation, and I want to salute this whānau for courageously and in their desperation coming forward to the media. Um, how can they best be supported? I, I think, in my experience, what's needed at the heart of the best, most effective support and healing support is that they actually need one person that works with them who is the point of contact for all the other services. That's the first thing. And this is a person that they can begin to trust uh, with cultural and clinical expertise who will take the time. And we heard that as a theme, didn't we, from the mama and this whānau. Time is such a crucial element which is often forgotten about in the planning around keeping our mokos that are going through these situations at the centre. So that person has to be reliable and predictable and turning up no matter what and ensuring that the voice of that moko and their whānau is, at, is absolutely at the centre of the plan. Um, 
communication is key too. And, and you know, there's going to be some challenging, ongoing challenging of how the whānau is working with their, with their tamaiti uh, and, and all of the kids. So this is about somebody who can actually be the right person. You know, and, and we've, we know about these kinds of people. In some communities, it's a whānau order navigator. In some, it's uh, a person from child and adolescent mental health services. But it's the person who is going to have that relationship. That, without that, you've, you've got very little. And that's what um, the legislation says. We're putting the tamaiti at the centre of everything and everything works around it. In this situation, are you seeing that? Are they having one person who they're working with? Um, when I attended the hui on Thursday, so I facilitated the hui, and in my opinion, it was a mess. Um, there were delays. No one was responding to follow-up uh, emails and text messages and phone calls. Um, no one knew how to access the, the services. Oh, oh, sorry, I guess they did. But um, there was not a lot of thinking outside the square. So I had suggested if, um, you know, and I'm totally against it, but trying to find outside of Waikato um, who, who can, you know, support this whānau. What's the situation as, as it stands right now? So the situation as it stands right now is that um, this young man is in custody of Oranga Tamariki and he's currently staying in a motel with two uh, support workers or carers. And what are they wanting to, what's the plan for him? Mum doesn't know. Mum doesn't know when he'll be coming home. She tried contacting uh, Oranga Tamariki after she shot off on Friday, uh, came back. Um, she, she came back because she was scared that, um, and she was worried about her boy, and she was scared she'd get in trouble by the authorities. Now, Mum shared with me that she's been in state care before, and it wasn't a good time mm. for her, so she's worrying about her boy. We're going to keep on this, and we're going to keep in touch with you and the whānau. Henemoa for whānau, um, just generically, if you have um, someone or a whānau like this in your community or in your whānau, um, you know, how's the best way for me and you to support people? Yeah, it's really hard, isn't it? Because um, we, we need to recognise our own judgments. Witnessing this kind of whānau suffering really pushes people's buttons uh, and it can shut people down. It can, it can also make people run from the kinds of services that they actually need. So the, it's complicated. I think we need to learn as a community what these concepts like global developmental delay actually mean. And, and to help understand the needs of our, our mokopuna with, with those, and whānau with those complex issues. We also need more people to do training to become respite caregivers. It's one of the big things missing uh, from, from this whole landscape. And one of the key things we know that our tamariki that uh, live with these complex issues is that they can become culturally disadvantaged as well. So these whānau become very isolated. Our tamariki are not included in particularly cultural activities. And maybe if there's one last thing I'd like to say is I, I hear this um, discussion around the difference be between what's called behavioural and mental health issues, and that really troubles me. These young, young tamaiti who are grappling with developmental delay, which affects their emotional growth, their, the way that they think and see themselves in the world, use their behaviour as communication.
So, you know, to, to try to separate their behaviour from their mental uh, development, their ability to cope with distress is incorrect and is pathologizing. So if there's something else that we can do as community people is to hold to account uh, anyone who tries to use those labels and those ways of understanding human behavior in a way that essentially keeps our kids in pain and suffering. Tēnā kōrua, thank you so much for coming on today. And Dorothy, we're going to keep in touch and we're going to keep on top of the story. Kia ora. Kia ora. Kia ora. A konei katu taki atu ki te te hi whānau e tautoko ana i te kaupapa World Drowning Prevention Day. Next Monday is World Health Organization's World Drowning Prevention Day. It's a kaupapa that raises awareness and also commemorates the lives lost by drowning. There are 77 fatal drownings in Aotearoa every year. One whānau taking part in this year's commemorations is hoping to save other whānau from the heartache they've suffered. Anei te pūrongo a John Boynton. For generations, Rihari Wilson's Fano have found a path back to the Moana. My great-grandfather was a descendant of great fishermen and people knowledgeable of the Moana. So that kind of mātauranga was handed down right up until us, even my nephews and nieces. Yeah, they're well-versed in tikanga on the water. Rihari is part of the Tamariki Fano from Nazi Fatua Orake, who are well known kaitiaki of the Moana. His earliest memories are filled with days out on the water with his dad, uncles, and cousins. We always went as a Fano onto the water, yeah, out to Rangitoto, fishing, diving, swimming, keeping that kind of aroha for, for the Moana alive within us. But when Rihari was just six years old, tragedy struck his whānau. His father, Jack Arama Wilson, died at the age of 29 while diving, suffering an asthma attack in the water. All I can remember is being in the car that was wet and miserable. Not long after, we were up at my great-grandmother's house and everyone was around crying and I didn't really realise until I saw their casket. To lose a loved one out at sea was a devastating blow and the mamai they carried for many years. For my dad to pass away in the water, it should not have happened. Years later, his kōra would share an important lesson he taught Jack about tikana on the water. So he told us, I told him, if you're ever sick, don't go out on the water. But he didn't listen. Did it change your relationship with the moana? It definitely did. We come from a, a whānau full of divers and fishermen, and that's just not me. And I've only told a couple of people that I can't go down under the water. I just keep on thinking, oh my God, this is where my dad was and was this the last place that he remembers being down there? 
But in 2016, his whānau would lose another whānau member in the water. Rihari's brother, Jack Arama Wilson, died in a swimming pool in Rarotonga after suffering a heart attack. Yeah, it was hard losing my brother, especially because he was the Portuguese. He wasn't the baby, he was our baby brother, so. His younger brother left behind a partner and two young tamahine. I think the process was to look after who he had left behind and that was paramount to anything else. His girls were everything to him. Fana was everything to him. Just like dad, so, mm. Māori continued to suffer high rates of death on the water. In 2021, 74 people drowned in Aotearoa, with 23 Māori fatalities. This accounted for 31% of all drownings. I'm really passionate about adding the humanity back into the drowning statistics, that this is someone's life and they have great importance to those that love and care for them. Nicola Keane Bigler is from Drowning Prevention Auckland, an organisation which has formed a close relationship with the Tamariki Fano. For me as Pākehā, it's really interesting to understand the Māori view that you come from water and we are water. It is who we are and where we come from. And I uh, really look forward to pulling that thread across all of our education. OK, everyone understand that now? Harry Aonga is helping to pull those threads together for his organisation. And why you need to hold onto your life jacket tightly is to keep you warm. Today he's holding a week-long safe swim program for children aged 11 to 17. So that's targeting at-risk communities when it comes to drowning, which is Pacific, Māori and Asian, giving them a free program that they can engage in and learn new water competencies, not only to keep themselves safer in the water, but to keep their whole family safer. Yep, now you can go. Step out nice and far. Being able to provide this education, like how to use life jackets, is integral to reducing drowning rates. When they come here, it's not just about swimming, it's about learning new activities. And when they're learning new activities, that's something that they're going to go home and teach their loved ones. Rihari Wilson knows what it's like to not have loved ones come home from the water. This month, he's taking part in commemorations for World Drowning Prevention Day, representing his whanau and sharing their mātauranga of water safety. We all need to work together, and especially when the, yeah, the water is, is not just ours. If we know how to be on the water, then we have that responsibility to share that. Now, John Boynton, Tera Ripoata, ko u tenei waka kōrero ki uta e karima, nohoro mai rā. Te puna whakatongarewa te hui i tautoko.